Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendeika. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. He is here, and we are ready to go. Missing in action once again. The whale man, Kyle Budzanowski, but we're not talking Michigan this week, so it doesn't really shock me that much. (laughs) We are going to start off today's show, though, guys, talking about that Final Four. We left last week with the announcement of who the official Final Four candidates were going to be. We've got that now. It's Alabama versus Notre Dame and Clemson versus Ohio State. One versus four, two versus three, respectively. Um, We left off basically promising you guys that we would preview both of these matchups, give you a winner, and basically ruin these national championships for you because we're going to tell you the winner right off the bat like we do every year. Um, So, Mike, let's just jump right into it here. One versus four. Alabama, the buzzsaw, they're back on top of where they're used to being. Notre Dame having their once-every-seven-year run (laughs) that they seem to have. Um, You know, I I think a lot of people were... I don't necessarily know people were shocked that Notre Dame got in uh, based off of everyone else who was kind of in that that top tier that had the close enough resume to them. But I think me and you can both kind of agree. It's like... Any other team, there would have been like, wow, you really had to make a leap to get there. And because Notre Dame's only loss is to Clemson, and they have a win over Clemson, it's like, okay, well, if that's the only team and that team is also in the Final Four, it's hard to justify putting another team above them. Am I, am I right in that assessment? Oh, 100%. Yeah, the only two, the only teams that you can put even in Notre Dame's spot is Texas A&M, who didn't even compete in the SEC Championship game at all. Right. So, And if they would have played Alabama again, they probably would have got steamrolled by them again. And then... Oklahoma, I think, has a legitimate argument, but you have two losses compared to Notre Dame's one. Right. So I think that's right. where it just kind of comes down. To, and I guess you could have Cincinnati, but Cincinnati is a different. Well, and here's as let's a let's hit on Cincinnati real quick because I know some people are thinking we're a little upset because this is not the first time we've had an undefeated team, right? Um, kind of be on that fringe. I know UCF made a big deal about going thirteen and zero yeah. and doing that kind of stuff a few years ago. However. I think people really need to realize that you're going to need to get a really, 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 really special team from a non-Power 5 conference that is absolutely obliterating. Like, Cincinnati was very good this year. They're undefeated for a reason, but they weren't blowing people out left and right. Like, you are going to need to see such dominance from a team that's not in one of these Power 5 schools to basically bludgeon to death a whole bunch of like that's the level that it's going to need to get to in order to justify one of those teams getting in there and also if 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 they put cincinnati in and alabama beats them by 50 Mm -hmm. you're never going to see another team get in ever again from not a power five conference yeah i'm basically just going to say if they need to expand it to allow yeah a a non-power five team to come in if they don't You'll never see a non no, no, because you never they're ne- they will never have a strong enough resume yeah. to do it right. Like if they play Bama and Notre Dame this year and they both won, though, then you can make the argument. Okay, well they beat two teams, yeah. you know, but they they don't have those statement wins mm-hmm. either. So, um, and it's unfortunate because Cincinnati did schedule. Yeah, I believe it was like Oregon and yeah, like Ohio right. State or something. Exactly, and they got canceled for that reason, but they got canceled because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So right. they kind of just ruined all chances there. Luke Fickle could be a new coach somewhere else next year for all, yeah. all that we know. So, um, so unfortunate for Cincinnati, but that uh, you know the logic is sound. Mm-hmm. You know they are trying Always. to put the you know, they're trying to quote unquote put the most competitive matchups out there. Now going back to this game, I don't necessarily know this game is going to be competitive at all. Quite frankly, I think that. This one versus four is definitely a one versus four matchup where you're like, mm, man, this is going to be a tall task yes. for Notre Dame. Um, 
I know Alabama's defense is not the best, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, I think, because I think we both have Alabama winning this game yes. pretty handily. But I don't. Notre Dame is that team where, like, I don't know what you do better than anybody else, mm-hmm. and I don't even know what you do second best to yeah. anybody else in this in this right now. Because you look at offensively, it's clearly Alabama and Clemson offensively, right? And Ohio State is not far behind that. Defensively, I would say that Clemson's got a very stout defense, and Ohio State's defense is very stout as well. So I don't see. And I mean, convince me. Tell me how Notre Dame wins this game because I don't see it. Yeah. Well, Notre Dame can win this game based off ball control and mm-hmm. taking it away from their explosive offense. Because yep. as you mentioned, their defense is weaker. I yeah, think one but, of the yeah. probably, I would say maybe Notre Dame's is weaker, but I guess it's probably the third weakest mm-hmm. out of the four, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So I think if you were able to have long, sustained drives, running it and having short passes, that you could control mm-hmm. the clock more mm-hmm. and stop Alabama from just scoring in three plays. and Right. Like, getting up by 21 points. I think if you have a really good ball control, what they didn't do against Clemson was slow, methodical drives. They yeah. try to pass way too much against right. Clemson. Yeah, they try and, to go strike for strike with him. He can't yeah, do it. You he, can't do yeah, it. Yeah, right. And then once he got down 17 nothing, you have to abandon the run game. Right, and, then and now you're one-dimensional. Yeah, then, then you're one-dimensional, and then you lose it. Yeah. You have to come out with like the first drive that you get and just run, 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 and really try. Because they do have a good running attack. That's yeah, how they for win sure. games. Yeah. They win games like 15 to 12 because they control the ball, <laughs> yeah, right. and they just play really And they good. don't turn the ball over either. Exactly. And that's so, that is going to be so huge against any team that plays Alabama because Alabama's defense relies so much on the turnover game because they, like, as we saw against Florida, now Florida's offense is very good. They have potentially multiple first-round picks or, or high picks on that offense. But at the same time, right, like, the way that Florida was able to take the top off and it'd be like, wow, he is wide open yes. right like that is a but because they 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 were they stall out on a drive or they have a turnover you're you're totally screwed because you're not stopping Bama's yes. offense yeah exactly and i think that's the same thing for Notre Dame yeah. where i don't think Notre Dame's defense is going to be stopping Alabama too much through the game no. and so you really need to limit the possessions if you could have the first half only have four possessions mm-hmm. total mm-hmm. and you score two touchdowns and maybe Alabama gets three touchdowns, mm-hmm. then it's like 21-14 going in a half would be good. Right. But if you extend the game to six, seven, eight possessions in the first half, right. that gives Alabama the potential to be like 42, 49 mm-hmm. points in the first half like kind of Florida did. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know if Notre Dame's getting there right. with, yeah. their, with exactly. their offense that they have. <clears throat> exactly. So right. I think you need to limit the possessions. And I think you just got to make it close to the end, kind of yeah. like how Florida did where it was – Six point game at the end. You're like, if we can get the ball one more right. time, yeah. If they make one mistake, we can we, we have a we, shot. Yeah, we have a shot right. of winning, and that's what right. Notre Dame needs to do: is keep it close, can hold the clock up, mm-hmm. run the ball. Mm-hmm. Fourth quarter, maybe they make a mistake and you can capitalize. That's yeah. their best shot away. Yeah, for sure. And I think Bama, you know, I think that the the fact that their defense was kind of exposed a little bit because they really haven't played anybody with a super explosive offense this year mm-hmm. um, before Florida. So you look at it and you go, okay, there's some clear, there's some glaring weaknesses on there, right? Like I don't think Bama's pass rush is all that sound, right? I don't think they do. I I think they're fine, but they don't have like a premier pass rusher that some of these other teams could potentially have. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to to Alabama, though, I think honestly they could play a little bit of ball control too, knowing that the, their offense is as explosive as it is. Where Najee Harris needs to be the focal point of this offense oh, yeah. because the, when they run the ball effectively, play action works so much better. And and then too, when you see it, and you go, oh wow, like this is 
you know, like where where are they going to attack us next? Yeah. And, and being able to do that, that I think is where Bama lives and thrives. You look at all great past Alabama teams, whether it was Mark Ingram or there was Derrick Henry or even Bo Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Like like the, the when they were able to ground and pound and then just take the top off with name a guy, it, yeah. it's it's insane, right? It so is. I think that that that's really going to be. I think maybe even a plan for them is I think both teams could potentially be looking at like we really need to establish the run because if you're Notre Dame, I want to be on the field offensively as long as possible. And if you're Alabama, you're like, I want my defense off the field as much yeah. as possible to kind of mitigate some of their shortcomings, knowing that we, potentially we can score in a myriad of ways. Yeah. You know, it's just which way do we want to do it? Yeah, I think you'll see Alabama come out in the first two drives just throwing to yeah, I think, star yeah. guys. Because I think they want to go up to if they can get to yeah, a fourteen you get a nothing lead, mm-hmm. then you can go. All right, we're gonna run, 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 right. pass, do whatever, and run more of your simple right. game plan that you do normally. Yeah. But if you're up 14-0, then you're forcing Notre Dame to change what this they game, do. This game, this game is very reminiscent for me of of when Kyler Murray was at Oklahoma. We talked about the Oklahoma mm-hmm. Alabama matchup. For me, in the in the sense that if, if this game go, if it's already two scores early, like if Bama goes touchdown, touchdown. And then Notre Dame has to punt, or even at this, I'm gonna even. It's sad to say, but if they have to kick a field goal mm-hmm. on one of those drives, you're in, you're gonna be in for a rough day. Yeah. Because if, if you're if they're willing to just basically go for the jugular in six plays mm-hmm. in in two drives and just march right down the field and go, you're not stopping this. So don't even attempt to. You're gonna need to do something that we've never seen before in order to do it. I, I mean, you can. I can definitely see this game getting out of hand. Oh, it definitely v- can. very quickly. And I know it's. I know it's one of those things where, we're like, yeah, any game can. But looking at what Bama does best, which is is explosive plays on offense and doing just enough defensively, creating that one turnover to give it back to the offense, where you have a one possession swing, mm-hmm. is all that they need to really get it going. Yeah, LS, it's the same <clears> thing as LSU of last year too, yeah. where you kind of like you need a go shot for shot because their offense is so explosive. Right. And we think that their defense is vulnerable to right. attack. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing here where you have to be able to score early and yeah. enough. You just got to match ball. it until you until your defense can get settled. Because Florida's defense at one point did get settled in a yes. little bit. And they were able to create a turnover. It to, just I took mean, six strides and 42 points. That, and that's, that's the problem, right, is that they can't go six for six and you go, well, damn. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, give me a score for this game. Uh, what's the spread? Nineteen and a half. Okay, it will probably be somewhere in the ballpark of like a forty-five to twenty-four game. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Somewhere yeah. like that, yeah. where I think, I think, I think they will come out and like they're gonna do what we say. I think they're gonna ball control and do very well. Right. But I think there's gonna be a come a point where they're down seven or ten even, I've, and yeah. they go. We gotta start I wouldn't be and shocked. They're mess up I wouldn't point. be shocked if Bama wins the toss and they just say, "Just give us the ball," yeah. and they go up seven nothing. And the like, say Notre Dame, okay, say they don't score. And but the problem with the ball control methodology is like, okay, if if Bama gets up two scores, you have to immediately go, well, throw the script out because yeah. now we we're clearly showing no propensity to stop this team. Mm-hmm. So we have to take some risks and start going downfield and, yeah. and try to expose whatever weakness they have in the secondary and hope to God that someone can make a play. Mm-hmm. So that is how Bama gets you in a lot of ways where it's just like, okay, you know, you get down early, good luck yes. because we're not stopping and we're not going to stop for anything. So it's going to be interesting for sure. But I, I like that score, though. I think that's a very potential. So, yeah, something potential. like that. I, I don't think this one will be relatively close. I don't think I'll so be, either. If it's within, like, 10 points, I'll be shot. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think, no matter what team was at the number four spot, though, it's not even a shot at Notre Dame. I don't think any team really had a yeah. really great shot at mm-hmm. this. Um, 
This game, though, the next game, Ohio State-Clemson, is one I'm definitely looking forward to a lot more. The rematch last year, uh, it was the best game of the year, in my opinion. That game went down to the wire. That was, I mean, it's one, yeah. one, it was one my, play It was away. my second best game of the year. Yeah. I sat LSU-Alabama in the regular season. Oh, yeah, that was really good, too. Good call. But, the, yeah, this game was phenomenal. You know, A, because you want Ohio State to lose. B, I'm a big fan of what Clemson's doing. And it, it, and it meant something, too. You yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't just a regular season game. Lots of variables here. This one, though, I don't think is going in with as much fanfare. And I think, rightfully so, Ohio State does not look like Ohio State did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, even Clemson, you can't tell me 12 te- people on this team like you were able to the last couple years, right? There's Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and then a whole bunch of other guys. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit different from a star power perspective. Um, but, you know, Clemson, you know, Trevor Lawrence, we talked about it last week, and I can't emphasize this enough. He's the best player in college football. And number two is, you name a guy, I don't care who your number two is. It's not even close. So with that being said... What, what is the breakdown here? I mean, Clemson is, I'm sure, the favorite. What is the spread? Do we have the spread on that game? Uh, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Wow, that's a little closer than I thought it would be. Um, with that being said, right, Ohio State coming off a shaky performance against Northwestern. Clemson coming off a rock-solid performance against Notre Dame. Yes. Uh, how do you see this game go, going down? I mean, I think we both have Clemson actually winning this game. Yes. I mean, but I mean, is are we going to see that barn burner? Are we going to see Justin Fields of last year? Because I haven't seen that yet yeah. out of him. Where I'm looking at Trevor Lawrence throwing to number seven and number nine and number two. I don't even know their names. It doesn't matter. It's a dart and it's going to be on the money. Yeah. So, how does this game play out for you? What what does each team need to do to get the W? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is by far the closer game, and I yeah. think this is a far more competitive game entering the fourth quarter than the Alabama game will be. Absolutely. Um, I actually look at it literally exactly as it was last year, where I think the first game mm-hmm. was a blowout, and this game is the, the, the much closer and right. the tight one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Clemson, um, to win, just needs to do what they did against Notre Dame, which was use Travis Etienne, run the ball efficiently. Mm-hmm. If they need to, use Trevor Lawrence to throw darts all around the field. Yeah, that Trevor Lawrence, and that, that read option with ATN and Lawrence yeah. is really hard because Lawrence is a sneaky good athlete. Like, yes. he's got some wheels. He I does. mean, he's not... Justin Fields is probably a better athlete, mm-hmm. I would say, right? But he, Lawrence is not slow. It's not like this is, you know, Stafford running the read option. Yeah. No, no. He has got some legit speed behind that read option. And so I think... I think offensively, I don't think they have many problems through yeah. the game. Mm-hmm. And I think defensively, I think they have the best defense all around in the yeah. Final Four. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to be able to suffocate Justin Fields. From the Ohio State standpoint, they're getting a lot of people back. They're getting Chris Olave back. Which is huge the Big for Ten them. They change their, yeah. their COVID stuff so they can get some of these people in Right there. away. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So, Interesting how that works out. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so I think having Chris Olave back and getting all these people back, I think they are going to be able to be more efficient than they were. And I think defensively, you can't name – you don't have, like, that Chase Young mm-hmm. player. I think Sean Wade, seven. the corner, is probably the number one guy. It's, like, them. the number one guy on yeah. the team. Yeah. But that front seven as a unit mm-hmm. is very – it's kind of like – very the, solid. It's like you could equate it to, like, the Pittsburgh Steeler front seven right. of a team, except you can't really name any of the people. Right, but, exactly. Unless you really pay Unless you really pay attention to the Ohio State team. Right. But – they're just a very solid unit, and it's very hard to do stuff against them. Mm-hmm. So I think that they can win the trench warfare mm-hmm. from Clemson's offense to Ohio State's defense. The problem is I think that Trevor Lawrence kind of 
um, yeah. takes away from that because sure. he's so athletic and can just move out and make passes. Well, and he's and right now, I mean, I know we're singing this praise like we're in love with this dude, and I kind of am, quite frankly, because look at it. Like, you want the stop, step, drop back passer, right? I know people were like, oh, this guy's not as pure of a yeah. passer. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever you yeah, want to say. Whatever, yeah. Sure. Pat Mahomes isn't either then. Neither is Aaron Rodgers. No. It's fine. But whether you want him to drop back and just have a seven-foot seven drop and throw a dart, he's going to be able to do it. If you need him to roll out of the pocket to get out of a collapsed pocket, he can do it, right? And so all of these things, the biggest thing that I see Ohio State having an issue with is, okay, a lot of teams like to take away what you do best, but ETN showed last week, especially, you know, it, it's like he's ex, he's an explosive back. I mean, him and Chuba Hubbard are probably the two most explosive backs in college football. Mm-hmm. So you look at it and you go, all right, so we're going to try and slow down the run, which is every defensive-minded coach's idea ever, right? Got to slow down the run, right, to make something up. But, okay, fine, slow down the run. But then if you're going to put more people in the box, you're going to have single coverage against the best quarterback in the nation. Good luck. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, because even though you can't have – you don't have that guy, right, for, for, for Clemson to be like, that's the guy they're going to on third down, on some notion, that's bad because it's like – Where's it gonna go? Who whose day is it today? You yes. know what I mean. So there's a there's a lot of concern if you're Ohio State to go. Okay, you know if we're just gonna try to be out athletic, you can't do that in the Big Ten. You can because nobody else touches Ohio State's athleticism. Clemson can, and yes. they, you know what I mean. And all of these teams can. So they're gonna have to change it up. I think the biggest thing for Ohio State what they're gonna have to do is two things. Number one, I think they're gonna want to make Trevor Lawrence stay in the pocket. They oh, don't yeah. want him to get loose. And number two. I think they're going to have to force, not allow them to take the top off, right? If they can keep him in short and in intermediate throws, I think they have the best chance of at least slowing them down because at least there, you've got a lot of playmakers in the middle of that defense. Like you said, their front seven for Ohio State is very disciplined. They're very athletic and they're very good, but they don't have that guy, but they're all really, really serviceable and all solid players and all athletes where if you can force them to make these tight windows and then if he beats you, he beats you, but at least you're not giving them free points. Notre Dame gave Clemson some free points in that yes. game where they, you know, at the end of the half, you can't have ETN run for a 65-yard touchdown. You can't have that happen. If Ohio State does that, you're dead and it's not even close. Yeah, if you're a big NFL fan, you equate it to basically what people try to do with the Chiefs. Right. Is contain Patrick Mahomes and don't let Tyree Kill go run off for an 80-yard deep bomb. Right, right. Just keep everything within the 10 yards. Keep it everything yards, in front of you. Everything in front of you. Don't let yep. them take the top off and have them do 12, 14 play drives and right. hope that they make a mistake. That's right. really what Ohio State's defense needs to do. Yep. And offensively, they just need to just... Justin Fields needs to be better. I'm I'm gonna be blunt about it. Justin Fields needs to be better. This is a game. If you are a Justin Fields guy, if you are a fan of a professional team that is looking for a quarterback, right? And Justin Fields is, I guess, as of this moment, the number two quarterback prospect. I would argue Zach Wilson's probably gonna take over that spot by the end of the draft process. Um, So if you're a Lions fan, be on the lookout for that. But if you are a Justin Fields guy and you like his athleticism, and there's a lot to like about Justin Fields, this is a game. Like last year, he played really, really well in that game. He played phenomenal. They're one miscommunication away from probably beating them. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, you need to see Justin Fields of last year because he has not looked the same. I get it. They're still putting up 40 points a game, but they're playing against the crap Big Ten, and they have one signature win on the year. So with that being said, you need to see 
what what he can do in the biggest of moments, knowing that you have no one thinks you're going to pull this game out, and and also you you, you know what this Clemson team is going to bring. Yeah. So and you haven't played well. Your Big Ten championship game, you ran the ball for a gajillion yards because Northwestern can't score. So you didn't have to do a whole lot in, in to take your team to that next level. Yeah. There was not the big throw downfield from Justin Fields where you go, that's a first round pick. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So that for me is the key for Ohio State offensively is that Olave connection. All right, you're going to you you need more than one guy to make this happen. Yeah. And my my big worry is not even in the game right now mm-hmm. itself is the pregame. I'm very worried that Dabo Sweeney mm-hmm. is setting up uh Ohio State to have a big chip on their shoulder to come out and really ball out early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's my really big concern is that right. Clemson's going to come out. I think I think Clemson ends up winning no matter what. Yeah. But I think this could get a little bit dicey and yep. dicey early because mm-hmm. I think Ohio State is going to come out firing in all cylinders yes. everywhere. Yes. And Clemson off a big win against Notre Dame could come out a little more flat than normal. Yeah, because you're you're thinking, okay, we're going to get a revenge against Notre Dame, and now it's like, okay, we're going to play Ohio State, but we're going to have to build. Yeah, we're Ohio probably going to beat them, and you're maybe looking toward Alabama because you see Alabama which is, it would, be a disaster. would be a and disaster. And so I th- don't be shocked if Ohio State comes out to like a like last year like a 13 point lead or something. Mm-hmm. But then I would expect that Clemson kind of wheels yep. it back in and ends yep. up winning the game at the end. Yeah, Ohio State's weird this year because offensively, I know like Olave is, is really, really good, yes. right? But they don't have that stud running back right now. I no. know they had a couple guys come out la- this last week here, but um, like, you know, Dobbins for them was the workhorse. Like, they, yeah. he was the reason why that offense worked as well as it did, you know? Carlos Hyde, very good running back. Like, Ezekiel Elliott, a phenomenal. Like, they've always had a guy where it's like, we, we, we can be explosive and we run these crossers and everyone's always wide ass open, but they're only wide open because you have to put seven in the box yeah. to stop this run game. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen that yet out of Ohio State either where they have they've had, they have guys that are really good, but they don't have that guy where you yeah. go, wow, I really want him on my team yes. at any point in time. So there's something to be said for that. Okay, so we got Clemson. Give me a score for this game. Um, I'm going to throw it at like a... 31-21, okay. because I do think Ohio State gets out early, but once Clemson settles in, yeah. I think they really just lock down and I can see a 10 nothing lead Ohio State out of the first exactly. quarter. Exactly, 10 nothing. Yep. but then it kind of Clemson kind of starts getting yep. their they footing. They score at the start rolling. of the second, and you're like, all right, now we got a ball game. Yeah, yep. and then it kind of ends up being like a 10-point game at the end, 31-21. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if this scenario plays out the way we think it does, we see Alabama-Clemson once again. I don't want to get too into the nitty-gritty yeah, on we'll that just that yet. Once next. we, you know week when the game happens yes yeah yeah right yeah, yeah. i, I want to wait just to make sure that we you know because i don't want to cover a game that may not technically happen yeah. so we can uh, be talking about ohio state notre yeah. dame it's like that's awkward we're gonna we're <laughs> gonna have kyle on next week because he i believe wants alabama or has alabama winning yeah and i i will tell you right now have clemson winning yeah so i'm, I'm using up. this week here this upcoming these two games to really like okay yeah. Which one? Because you can watch an Alabama game and you go, no one's stopping that offense. Yeah. But then you go and turn the Clemson game on and you go, no one's stopping yeah, exactly. that offense either. And you're like, you know, and you just get mesmerized by you the do. big play. You know what yeah. I mean? I think this year's a little bit different because last year LSU was so far and away like the best team in in the nation. They were. You know, I mean, look at the yeah. 21 out of the 22 no, starters yeah, are on an NFL team right now. You're like, that's insane. And that's the crazy part is that last year they were so far away the better team and Clemson still, still competed with right. them and made exactly. it close. Right. So that's why yeah. I'm like I don't look at Alabama being that good this year. No, like, they're, they're not. not like, they are not LSU's caliber. Yeah, not, they're not no transcendently way. good this no. year. So I'm like they're just back to being what they normally are. Yeah. Exactly. So, so it's gonna be interesting for sure. 
I think if you're a fan of competitive football, I think that you would want to see Clemson, Alabama, unless yes. you're an Ohio State or Notre Dame fan. Yeah. Um, I do think um, if Ohio State did pull it off the upset, yeah. I would say that they could they're qualified to be yeah. the team to go up have a best shot against Alabama. Yeah, because if you sure. could beat Clemson, I'm right. All right, then be, you can yeah, beat. you can probably beat anybody. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And and like not taking away from any of these four teams, we could easily see a Notre Dame. Ohio oh, State, State game. Yeah. Like, if we saw it, I mean, I'd be stunned. I would be But stunned. I'd be like, it, it, depending how it plays out, you go, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, all right, that makes sense. So, you know, not taking away from any of these teams, but if you're looking at it just from a from a story perspective, you see this is Alabama Clemson number four, I think it would be. Was it four? It would be uh, three, five. Was it five? Okay, yeah. so this is like It would be the, the fourth uh, national championship. Oh, right, because the one was in the first round. Yes. Right, right. So, yeah, so, five, you know, number five, fourth national title game, that's pretty insane so from a storyline perspective be pretty cool all right let's shift our focus here from the gridiron let's go to the squared circle here um we are going to be doing we're going to be talking a couple wrestling topics but before i talk about anything uh let's just take a quick moment here uh to announce i guess not announce but uh you know we lost one this past week in the wrestling industry brody lee uh from aew he's also formerly known as luke harper in the wwe part of the wyatt family um Former Intercontinental Champion, former Tag Team Champion, former AEW TNT Champion. He passed away yesterday at the age of 41. Um, huge, huge shock. I mean, good Lord. Uh, 41, way, 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 way too young. Not not good in any set of circumstances. Um, a guy that I really liked uh, in WWE, when he when he got his Intercontinental title run, I was actually really excited because I thought, oh, good, we're actually going to make a new monster heel guy that can actively work and... And they proceeded to kill him. Um, you know, this doing this Dark Order thing, take it or leave it. I, I mean, at times it's been really good. Other times, not so much. Um, but a tremendous performer. Um, if, if you are a wrestling fan, you probably know who he is. And if you are a diehard wrestling fan, you probably knew who he was before he got to WWE or AEW. Um, you know, a super duper awesome performer. Really great character. Great mic work. And somebody that... You know, anybody who's in the profession has basically said that it was a tremendous person. Yeah. Um, so super unfortunate there. Do you have a Do you have a match or a moment or anything from from Brody Lee yeah. slash Luke Harper that you're like, like there's a match where you like when you think of his run in either company yeah. or anything where you go that was a really yeah. good. Well, you can argue one of the best six man tags was Elimination Chamber. Yeah, the Wyatt family versus the Shield. Yes, back Phenomenal. when the Shield were just doing great. Just coming off tags. a huge win over Evolution. Oh no, that was, that was before, right before. before that. It was Sorry, like yeah. a month before yeah, they right, started right, that right. whole run with the revolution. Or yeah, whatever. revolution. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they had that match and then went into WrestleMania, which went into all that stuff. Yeah, with right. Evolution. You're right. Yep. But yeah, that was a very good six man tag. Yeah, it's probably one of the better matches WWE has put right. on in like the last. Like, six I would, years I would, I would point to the ladder match between him and Dolph for the yeah. Intercontinental That's Title. Awesome that was a really, really great ladder match. A little bit different because you have a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought. Him and Cody did great work together, too, in this last little bit here. Uh, Not only him winning the title and basically a squash to really elevate him and the whole Dark Order, but Mm -hmm. then the dog collar match coming out of that was intense. Um, You know, they did some really good work there and and allowed him to kind of show a different side. But just thought we'd mention that really fast because, you know, that's an unfortunate time. Obviously, we didn't know him personally or anything like that, but when you lose somebody in the prime of their life like that, it's definitely noteworthy. Uh, so prayers out to his family and everybody in the wrestling community. Um, but let's switch. Let's shift topics here a little bit. Let's talk about TLC. Um, okay. You know, we were texting back and forth watching the show last yes. weekend. 
Um, I thought this was a fantastic show. I really, really, outside of the main event, which we'll get to in a hot second. But honestly, this is probably one of the best pay-per-view shows they have put on in a very long time. And I know that's saying a lot, and I'm using a lot of big like words to up this, but I'm, I'm going to be serious here. They, this match, from start to almost finish, was a solid card yeah. throughout. And and they did a... A, there was not a lot of matches on this card, which is what we've been clamoring for for literally since we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. And two, every match delivered and everything... And, th- and things progressed. And yes. I feel like we had some new stars made out of this. So let's go through the results match by match right. here and go with it. Yeah. Um, so we opened the show with Drew McIntyre defending title against AJ Styles, who then... Uh, eventually had a cash-in, so then uh, yeah, the, Miz the Miz was cash. added into right. it to make it a triple threat match, right. and Drew McIntyre won the match. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this match was really good. Yeah. Um, I like this not better than the second ladder match, but I liked how it was like more two-on-two-on-one, yeah. so it kind of yeah. like canceled yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. more than just like mm-hmm. surround just two-on-one right. the whole Absolutely. time. So I liked how it wasn't like it wasn't like four-on-one. Right. I would be like, okay. Yeah. But it was like, it was a very nice way to set everything up and then I like obviously McIntyre winning. Right. So Yeah, I love the fact that they they threw the wrinkle with, with the Miz coming in and then the tease. The bol- that is a common theme for both these ladder matches. I this both matches did such a great job of making you believe, mm-hmm. oh, this is it. And and re- like it's so hard to do a false finish in a ladder match, right? Because it's always the same right? They take yeah. 35 years to climb out the ladder, you know, they touch it and everything. But like there were points in both these matches where you're going, Oh, the Miz is like the Miz there's nobody there. Yeah. Where the Miz has got it, right? And then AJ's big bodyguard guy. Or oh AJ's got oh here comes John Morrison or you know what I mean? So it was one of those things to where, like, at one point, they're all down, and you go, I don't know who's going to win this match mm-hmm. right now. Because you can make the argument, you're like, okay, is The Miz going to win this? And are they going to kind of do something to get the Rumble where McIntyre wins the Rumble again? Or mm-hmm. you're thinking of all these possibilities in your head. This was so good. They did a really nice job. Um, it's so hard to do a TLC match when it's been done. Everything's been done to yeah. death, right? Um, this is fa- really fantastic. Given McIntyre the win, I'm, I'm I'm totally on board with. Very interested to see this Rumble pay per view, which we'll preview in a couple weeks here. Yes. But um, great way to start the show. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah. Um, then we had uh, Sasha Banks defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Carmella. Uh, Sasha Banks obviously wins. Yeah. And I thought this was a very good match, also. And I liked how like the last couple weeks or mm-hmm. last couple pay-per-views or whatever and this one where like Sasha's kind of getting like beat up and then just like locks in the bank statement and just like pounds it in right. so hard right. where it's like I'm just gonna I have like no energy left so I'm just gonna end you right, right. now the build for this and match was awesome. great it really made you feel like it was more than just the title right they really had a lot of screen time on Smackdown this yeah. is Carmella's best match in her entire WWE career in my opinion I think uh, this is probably, probably her best match um, the character fits her really really well mm-hmm. she's doing a really nice job with that she's not doing that weird Staten Island crap anymore like she's She's a legitimate heel, made her look really good, even in defeat. You know, I don't think anybody really thought Carmella was probably going to get this no. win here. Um, I know I like the fact that Sasha's getting a legitimate run with the championship for the first time, even though she's been champion like seven times. This is her first real run. Um, I thought this match delivered in exactly what it needed to. It didn't go too long. It, I thought it was perfect, and, it, and, and both people came out better for it. Yes, I agree. Uh, then we have the Raw Tag Team match. So the Hurt Business won the titles by beating the New Day in a match where I guess entering it having like no expectations and not caring at all yeah. turned into be a good match. I thought this was a great match. I really, really, really enjoyed this match for a couple reasons. I thought number one, I was glad there was a title change. It needed to happen. We've only seen it teased twelve weeks in a row now mm-hmm. on Raw. Um, 
But for all four guys, great competitors. Sheldon yeah. Benjamin, you know, a, a stud, future Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He's done a lot of really great things. Kofi Kingston speaks for himself. Cedric has been great for a long time. So has Xavier Woods. These four guys mesh really well. I'm loving what they're doing with the Hurt Business, quite frankly. Really giving them some steam. Um, and the little wrinkle at the end where Shelton looks like he's got the win mm-hmm. and then Cedric tags in, and you're already seeing the tease of Cedric getting a little too ahead of himself, being that cocky young guy underneath the, you know, MVP's older, Lashley's older, you know, Shelton's a bit older too. So you're like, you got a whole bunch of 40-year-olds, and there's Cedric Alexander at like 28 where he's all cocky, and he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, I handle it, I can do it, you know. Yeah. So you're going to see that progress and eventually probably lead to something else. But really like it. Um, I think they're a great tag team. They fit a lot of molds, and I'm hoping that WWE, there's a renewed focus in the tag team division. I don't think there will be, but really, really enjoyed this match. I thought it delivered, considering the lack of real build for it. Yes. Uh, so we had Asuka and a mystery partner, mm-hmm. and the mystery partner ended up being Charlotte Flair coming back from injury, defeating Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler for the tag titles. Um, this one I liked the absolute least on the show, mm-hmm. and I liked the least because... Well, I, I, I don't like that Charlotte just came back and just right. automatically wins the title. The title. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't sure. even mind that like she got the title shot. Like we've mm. seen like people come back or right. like right. enter in and just get a random title shot. Like mm-hmm. whatever, that's fine. But I don't like how they just came in and just won it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, I right. guess. And now I'm like, I guess it's because you have no women's tag teams literally at all. So right. I guess that's probably why. Yeah. But I don't like I, it. I think the problem too is is that this is like a super team, right? So you know a split has to come here. Yeah. So it's like no one's gonna beat them legitimately like it just a straight tag team, mm-hmm. like they're both on working on the same page. Like yeah. it's not gonna happen. You've got Charlotte who's held more titles than anybody and Asuka who's taken like two pinfall losses in five years. Mm-hmm. It ain't happening. So it, that's that is a problem. It, it, out taking the main event out of it, if watching the show chronologically, you go this match is the one I liked the least. I thought Charlotte looked a little bit sloppy. I thought she was rushing a little bit. It doesn't help that Nia is not super great. Shayna's used to working a very specific style, but that's the difference. I feel like I, I, you know, like Oscar to me can work with anybody. I think Charlotte can, but it's not net, maybe as clean sometimes. Um, didn't have a problem with the with them getting the titles, knowing that if it leads to a really great feud between the two, because yeah. I think they do money together. However, it did feel very predictable. Like everyone and their mom was like, "It's definitely going to be Charlotte." Charlotte like and it's she, like she, they're definitely going to win it. Like, yeah, like, exactly. I'm like, like, all right, you know, I would have almost rather seen it where Charlotte, you know, they almost have it, and then all of a sudden, you know, Oscar turns or Charlotte yeah. turns, and they're like, okay, at least we're rolling on a different story because yeah. like there are teams like the Riot Squad, and, and you know, and they're doing some other stuff with some other these other women where you're like. In some of the women, even on NXT, where you can make the argument, you know, maybe these are the people that should be getting this opportunity. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Rather more. than the Raw Women's Champion now being a double champion again, mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit difficult to give yeah. them a legitimate. Run. I think I think Charlotte's in the spot now where she should just be enhancing people, yes, and not winning Absolutely. every title ever. Right. Uh, I think she like Charlotte would be in the perfect spot to help Carmella with her character. Yes, and to Carmella a few times. Yeah. before she first Sasha. Right, because it'd be like yeah, I she gets be, that big win over Charlotte. Charlotte. It's like I just beat the greatest woman ever. Yeah, you know what I mean. Now I'm coming for the time. Yeah, for so, sure. But that that's that was my whole problem with both women stuff is yeah. I think that you should have built Carmella up a little more before mm-hmm. just entering the title picture, mm-hmm. and Charlotte could have helped. I would with I that. would like I'm excited to see. I'm hoping they're we're gonna see an Oscar Charlotte thing. Maybe that's what happens at Mania. I think it'd be really. But those good. are your two main women matches i think you can't go wrong yeah for sure and i like the fact that you know and you can't forget about bailey either because i know she's going to be hovering around that's what i mean i think like bailey sasha charlotte yeah yeah. that's your core four outside of becky right so um 
But if we get that match, right, I would love to see it. You know, I think Asuka needs to retain. And I think that Charlotte needs to be put in a position to where a shot. Charlotte's at the point where John Cena's at where every time she's in a title match, do you think she's going to win it? So when she doesn't and she loses and she elevates another talent, you go, okay, all right, that was a great match. And, and Charlotte's at a point where she's impervious. She can lose 35 times in a row and then win the title. And everyone goes, all right, yeah. it's happened before. Yeah. So it's, sure. you know. Um, so our co-main event, we had yep. Roman Reigns defending his Universal title in a TLC match against uh, Kevin Owens, yep. which he retained. Mm-hmm. I thought this match was probably the best match on the show. No question. However, I, I just thought it was kind of weird that, like, I, okay, one, I didn't like that Jey Uso was, like, in the entire match, basically, mm-hmm. the entire time. Mm-hmm. I would, like, just one nice run in, like, near right. the end. Right, right, Like, he was literally, right. like, and Kevin Owens went up, like, seven times mm-hmm. to go get the title mm-hmm. and got knocked off, like, seven different times. Mm-hmm. And I went, after, like, the third one, I was like, okay, are we, like, still, like, yeah. <laughs> like, I would say the first... Or the second one, like he actually like yeah, had, had it, and I was like, I was like, oh my god! I was like, right, actually yeah. just gonna pull the trigger and have him win it. Like, yeah. it's crazy. But after that one, he went up like three more times. Yeah, and kept getting knocked out. I was like, okay, we can like stop with the whole like he's gonna right. win it because now he's not going to win it. Right. Yeah. No. And also, I guess the babyface has no friends anywhere in it's, WWE. It's, ever, it's the same. It's the you know. It's and the annoying know. part I have is that I watched the week before on SmackDown mm-hmm. and Daniel Bryan is feuding with Jey Uso. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so where's Daniel Bryan? Right. Right. Exactly. Well, because they're setting up, I think Bryan and Roman. Yeah, and they are. But I'm just saying. I but like, I agree though. Right. Like I was there's like, nobody. Everyone's like, where was Sammy? At somebody's like, I'm not talking. To, like, and he yeah. made like an excuse. I'm not talking to Sammy or like that. But I agree with you. However, this match for me was by far the best match on yeah. the show. I think it's two TLC matches and yes. then everything else after that. But um, I really enjoyed this match. The reason why I like this match as much as I did is twofold. Number one, it we furthered the transformation to Roman, where Roman legitimately would not have won this match without Jay, mm-hmm. right? That's the first thing. Number two, I felt like they finally made me care about Kevin Owens again. Yeah. They made Kevin Owens over again, and they did it again and followed it up this week on Friday with a great cage match that yeah. they had where once again you felt like Kevin had a real legitimate chance at winning the championship. Even though they went up seven times, at by the third, fourth time, I was like, come on, Kevin, come on, buddy, you got, you know what I mean? I'm like, and I'm trying to do the math at the time. I'm like, okay, Roman's dead. Okay, Jay's been out a long time. Okay, so here comes, okay, now we got rid of Jay. Okay, and now, okay, Roman's going to yeah. come in. Okay, now they're both down. How is How does this, you know, whatever happened so it made me believe, knowing that Roman's going to retain, yeah. but I was like, man, what if they could just, you know, what if they pull the trigger, right? Using the phrase what if in wrestling is so fun because that is the time where you're like, man, what if they, what does that mean? Like, what are the implications? So they did a great job of teasing that. And I feel like, once again, they have made Owens the most sympathetic baby face possible. And that's why I talked to you. That's why I said it was like, maybe Kevin is one of the guys they're looking at for this Rumble victory. Because right now, I don't have a clear favorite for the Rumble right now. I don't know if you do. I know Daniel Bryan has entered. I know he's entered, but I don't know what that. I, I don't know what that case, means. But. Um, but like they made me believe that okay, maybe Kevin is a guy that they're gonna start building around again, which they should have been for the past several years. So like it made me think that okay, because they're giving him as much as they are offensively and giving him these chances, it's like okay, maybe maybe Kevin's gonna be that you know sympathetic like you know, battle back kind of babyface guy or whatever, right? You know, he's doing a great job. He's got great mic work. Like, why not? You know, him and Roman make great music together. So it's like, you know, really, really, really enjoyed this match. Made me care about Kevin Owens. And I hope that that continues to where Kevin is now a main event guy again, not a just a upper mid-card guy. Mm-hmm. 
Agreed. Thought this should have went uh, last, by the way. Oh, it definitely should have. Uh, when I when it when it was coming on, I went, "Wow, Fiend and Orton are gonna have to live up to that. This is gonna be a disaster." Yeah. Yep. Disaster. Randy Orton defeated the Fiend Bray Wyatt in a Firefly Inferno match, and by killing a man. Yeah, by killing a man, basically. <laughs> but I was confused because they both came out. Yep. And then the match started. And there was no fire. And there was no fire. Yeah, I mean, and I, went, <laughs> I said the same thing. I was like. Wait, what is going like? There's no ring of fire. This is an inferno match. How is anyone gonna get like uh, get lit like, on fire? Get and then he did the cane thing. And yeah, then, like fire came from everywhere. Yeah, like, literally everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay. I guess that's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, it was it was a fine match. I guess. I I feel like the inferno match is the one stipulation match that just like never works. No, it's not good. Like, it worked one time, and that was Kane and Undertaker. Yeah. Every other time after that doesn't work. It's yeah, just it's stupid. just not like good. No. It's like, oh, I'm gonna burn you yeah. to be you. I'm like, what? Yeah, right. I'm like, why are you gonna yeah. do this? This feud hasn't <laughs> like, gotten that personal, number one. Yeah. Number two, when you take it over the top to where it's like, okay, now he's literally like this dummy is sitting yeah. in the ring, and I'm like, well, because at first I'm like, they're pouring stuff on him. I'm like, are they really going like, to light this dude like yeah. light this dude on fire? You know, And it was obviously pre-recorded, the whole match was and everything. So, And then like he's literally just like literally baking to death. And I'm like, the only problem I have with that is like, it's not like you did this to Bray Wyatt. Yeah. You did it to The Fiend. What is The Fiend going to come back as? That's like, what I you know what I mean? Like, there's, no, there's no level after that to come back as. It's He lost the match. Okay, cool. And then he disappears and he comes back. Like... You, you tried to kill the dude, or the thing, whatever you want to call it. What is, the Super Fiend? Like, what is yeah. it going to come back as? So, it doesn't, it doesn't lend anything to me. It didn't help Orton at all. It didn't do anything to me. So, like, okay, we're going to prolong this feud some more. Alright, I guess. I don't think they work that great together, quite frankly. No. I think Bray has better opponents, and I think Orton, as we saw with Drew and other people, have had better opponents. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't get it. I thought it was a super flat way to end the show. Yeah. Especially coming off Owens' reigns, I'm like, man, you should just put this at the front match, the first match, mm-hmm. and then did something else because th- this just didn't it didn't yeah. deliver, and it really put a sour note where you're like, well, that was a really great show, and then the main event happened, and you're like, that was awful. Yeah, and I get why they put it on last. Week. I do too, but I just I honestly was like, just put it on Raw. No one's yeah. gonna watch it anyway. Just put it on Raw. It was terrible. Give me a grade for this show before we talk about Wrestle Kingdom here. Uh it was a B. Yeah, B. Basically. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give it a B plus, A minus. I really, yeah. really enjoyed this show. I'm, I'm usually a little higher on the grades than you are, anyway. But I really enjoyed this show. I don't. Maybe it's just because I'm in love with Roman Reigns. I don't know. I just every time I see the dude perform now, and every pay per view, it's been, it's been dynamite. And when I feel like they're making new stars, that makes me excited mm-hmm. because we're getting around to WrestleMania season, and I'm clamoring for something to latch onto to make me give a shit, other mm-hmm. than the fact that it's WrestleMania. So the fact that we're getting some of that makes me really excited. Yeah. So. Can't wait to talk about the Royal Rumble. I'm so excited. All right, let's talk Wrestle Kingdom, though. The biggest show of the year. It's the only real New Japan show that we cover on the show for a myriad of reasons. But uh, the biggest one, obviously, being it's their WrestleMania. It's yes. the it's the, it's the kickoff the it's new amazing. year with the one of the best shows of the year, if not the best wrestling show that everything else has to live up to for the entire rest <laughs> of 2021. Um, last like four years. Yeah, it has two been, nights. Two nights. Of the you know two nights again. Right, we're gonna have two double title matches. We're gonna see a lot of other stuff going on. You know, it, it's going to be a big show. I don't necessarily know if this show is going in with as much fanfare as the last couple. Obviously, because last year we had the first ever unification thing, mm-hmm. so there was that. The year before that, you know, Kenny and you know, and, you know, and all that stuff, and you know, the year before that, Kenny and Jericho, and blah 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 blah. So maybe not as much fanfare, but still super duper excited. Oh, yeah. Excited for this card. This um, let's go night one. Let's give some predictions. All here. right, night one. So we open the show. 
with the best of the Super Junior 27 winner, Hiromu Takahashi versus the Super J Cup winner, El Fantasmo. Winner gets an IWGB heavy or junior heavyweight match on night two. I think I think this should be El Fantasmo. I don't I think, 100% I, think I, I, I think that this is Hiromu's done it so many times. And if you guys don't know who we're talking about, that's okay. Definitely go to New Japan World though. Subscribe to it. You know, you're definitely good. If you're a wrestling fan, you know, they have English commentary. Kevin Kelly, former WWE commentator, former Ring of Honor commentator. Like, you know, like you, you can understand what they're saying. It's not listening to all just Japanese or Chinese or whatever language you want to listen to it in. Um, and it's just great action at the end of the day. You want to just see solid in-ring work with not a ton of gaga around it. And you want to see clean finishes? New Japan is the place for you. Yeah, so if you don't know what we're talking about, definitely take a look. Do some research on it. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. with, with what you find. Yes, um, I also have El Fantasma winning. Yeah. I think I think he's great. So. I think he's fantastic. Absolutely. So we, we, we roll with that. Yeah. Um, second match, we'll have the uh, IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. So we have the Challengers. Um, G.O.D., right? G.O.D., Tanga Loa, and Tamatanga taking on the... Uh, Suzuki what, Gun, right? Yeah, Suzuki Gun team. Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi. Yep. And I have... Um, Girls of Destiny winning. Yeah, win again their first Wrestle Kingdom win. Yeah, yeah, because the last three they entered in as champions have lost. Yeah. So I think that's when they get the win. Plus, Tai Chi and, and Zack Sabre have held the titles for a hot minute, so I think yeah. it's time for a switch. That That is the one problem I think New Japan's having right now is they have no tag teams right now. Yeah, they not have really. no real tag teams right now. Yeah. The good thing they do, though, is they have a lot of factions, so they kind of throw Yeah, they just throw two teams together. Here you go. Go for it. Right. Yeah. For sure. Uh, IWGP US Heavyweight right to challenge contract because they can't get Moxley over there in time, yeah, I guess. So stupid. Just strip him um, of the title. Yeah. So you have Kenta, who has the right to challenge, and he's versing uh, Kojima because he was yeah. going to verse Juice Robinson, but then he got hurt. Right. So they yep. had to yep. plug someone else in. So Satoshi Kojima, if you don't know, former IWGP heavyweight champion, former All Japan Triple Crown heavyweight champion as well. So he, he has a, and he's a multi, multi, multi time IWGP tag champion as well. So if you don't know who that is, you should definitely do your research on it. He was kind of big when New Japan was going through a bit of a dark period, mm-hmm. um, but. Definitely a talented guy. We actually saw him a couple yes. years ago uh, for a Ring of Honor show mm-hmm. uh, live. But uh, Kenta keeps it. And it's yeah. really just a fill-in. Uh, I agree. Kenta 100% keeps it. Yeah. Uh, so we have two back-to-back special singles matches. Mm-hmm. The first one is Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on the Great Okan, part of the New Kingdom stable yeah. led by Will Ospreay. I think Tanahashi gets this And one. I think Tanahashi gets this one yeah. uh, because it's Tanahashi and yeah, it's and the Great, the Great Okan. Okan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> because it's the great Okada. <laughs> and the co-main event for oh, night one God. is Kazushika Okada versus Will Ospreay, the match I am the most excited for off both nights. I know you I are. think this match is just going to absolutely kill on all levels. I think yep. Osprey actually wins. I do too. To get the kingdom thing. Well, I, well I, I think this is a perfect time to elevate, once again, elevate a new star. He's in the heavyweight division now. He got the win last year, or was it last year or two years ago he got the win uh, over Abushi? It was two years, two ago, years right, ago, right? For the Never title, right? Um, he's already the Rev Pro Heavyweight Champion. He's a heel now, mm-hmm. right? And ok- Okada, I almost said Okuda. Okada is at a point where it's like, okay, he takes a loss. All right, it's a big deal when, when Okada takes a loss. Yes. So we've only seen a couple. And May J. White two years ago, it, it, it'll make... Tana, it'll make Osprey here too. Mm-hmm. I really think that they need to pull the trigger. If they don't, I think it'll be a great match. Uh, New Japan's hard because like, okay, he doesn't win, but man, he looked really damn good. Yeah, you know what I mean? Really good. So it, it's tough. It's tough, but I do think they need to pull the trigger on this and let him go. And he needs to be in that IC US title hunt yes, moving forward in 2021. And then we I'm just glad he's out of the junior division. Yeah, finally. I am too. 
Um, and then our main event, we have the co-double championship match. Naito will defend against Kota Ibushi. Yep. Winner will face the Jay White, uh, Jay White on night the main two. event in night two. Um, this one, I've been going back and forth on, but I think Naito probably takes it. Yeah, this is a, this one's hard because it's, you know, it, this is year two now where Ibushi's been in that spot. I... Yeah. I just don't think they give it. I I think I think that's I, that's kind of why I'm leaning towards Ibushi. Honestly, it's like okay, they give it to him so they can say he did it, but they really want to go with Jay White. Yeah, I know what I mean. Jay White wins at the end. That's yeah, like, I guess you take it. Which would be well. And here's the thing, though, and, and that, and we'll talk about that in a second. But that, that's a big deal. But I'm gonna say Ibushi here, and I, I not for because I you could honestly see Naito winning it, and yeah. it would be fine. Keep in mind, folks, this is both for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental titles. They've been basically unified for a, a yeah. while now, which is. So very annoying to me, but it's fine. Um, hopefully, if a heel champion, maybe we'll just break it off and mm-hmm. give it to somebody else. Anyway, um, but I think maybe this is Abushi's moment where it's like, oh man, like can streamers confetti the whole nine yards, and then at the very end, you know, Jay White comes out. He's like, you know, tomorrow I'm taking it, and then he, be- you know what I mean. So it's like the it's like the ultimate like yeah to oh like we yeah, were so maybe. close for Abushi fans to finally have that run. So you tease it, mm-hmm. and then you take it away from him just as fast, right? Like he wins it. But then he loses it right away. It's like, all right, we still have more story to tell. But if Naito wins, I won't be upset. Both matches are going to be phenomenal regardless. Yes. Agreed. So then that was our night one card. I think that's going to be a really solid card. I think there's like four matches on the card. I'm like, I'm in yeah. 100%. Yeah. There are a couple matches where I'll definitely get up and you know get something to eat. Yes. 100%. <laughs> all right. So the start of night two. Yep. Uh, the pre-show, they have another starter match, mm-hmm. an exhibition match. Um, that's not announced yet. Yeah, and also, funny. the first match is a uh, King of Pro Wrestling four-way match. They've been doing that with the random stipulation thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think Toriano, I think the rule is at the start of each year, they vacate it to someone yes. else or something. Yeah. So the four people aren't announced yet, so we're not going to go over it. But that'll be the first match yeah. on night two. New Japan once in a while weird-ass gimmicky stuff, man. Yeah. Where I'm like, what? I don't get it, but sure. Yeah, it gives Toriano a chance it, it to buy big It, it gives that people that aren't have aren't that major line, but they still want to show respect to like the Yuji Nagatas of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we are our second match, which would be, I guess, our first match we're going to cover here. Yeah. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. You've got Master Wado and uh, Taguchi challenging mm-hmm. El Desperado and Kanemaru for the champions. I think the champions retain. I do too. I think because I think, make sure I think Al Desperado is awesome. Yeah, so he's I really think. coming into his own. Kind of Mario's a legit badass. Yeah. Um, I love the Suzuki Gun stable. Mm-hmm. Like I can't tell you how much I love the stable. Minoru Suzuki is amazing. I loved him when Killer Elite Squad was a part of it. I loved it when they invaded uh, Pro Wrestling Noah for a really long time. Um, a lot of things like that where you're just like, oh, this is so. So good. So, so, so really good stuff yeah, that they do. For sure. Uh, third match, we have our never open weight championship match. Shingo. Love these matches. Uh, well, defend his title against Jeff Cobb. And I'm actually interested. I think Jeff Cobb could have a strong chance of pulling this one out. Yeah. Because I think giving a title to the Kingdom faction mm-hmm. after Osprey wins against mm-hmm. Okada, yeah. you're just like, man, that's a true faction up yeah. there. Yeah. I don't know. This one's going to be. This is a tough one to call because I think they're really trying to build Shingo. I love the never open weight title, mm-hmm. the concept of it where it's just like. Strong style to the max. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. I'm actually going to take Shingo here, but I'm not going to be shocked either way. I think yeah. either way you see benefits from it. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Um, our fourth match, we have our spe- another... going to be a last, hard hitter, though. Wow. Yep. Our last special single match, we have Sonata versus Evil. Obviously, former Los Ten. Ignorables de Apollon, uh tag team champions for literally ever. Yep. Uh, they Evil went to Bullet Club, so now they split, and now yep. they're having their... 
blow off or right. whatever you want to really call it. Wish, really wish, really, really, really wish this had a title attached to it. I really wish yeah. that they would have split off and had the Intercontinental Championship be for this because I think this is a feud that could have greatly benefited from having just that little extra bit of sizzle yeah. on this, right? This match is going to be really good, in my opinion. I think Sonata gets the win, gets his statement win, having a great G1 tournament. Uh, was kind of bummed out, honestly, to see him not win the G1 altogether. Yeah. So I definitely think that this is Sonata. And I think 2021 is going to be the year of Will Ospreay, and it's going to be the year of Jay White, and going to be the year of Sonata. I think those yeah. are going to be the three guys we're really going to build around. Yep, I agree 100%. Sonata takes it. Um, yeah. Sorry, Evil, I guess. Um so our co-main yeah, event. Sorry, yeah, Evil ain't getting it. Yeah, I'm Evil, sorry. I'm that's sorry. not. <laughs> Jay White's the only reason why Evil got it was because Jay White wasn't there. Yeah. So Jay White is de- is legit the star of that club. So yeah. it's, it's fine. Uh, our co-main event for night two, the junior heavyweight championship match, Taji Ishimori versus who we think it's going to be El Phantasmal off night one. And that, I think that's two Bullet Club guys then going at it too. I think El Phantasmal is part yes, of the Bullet, Club. Part of Bullet Club. I think El Phantasmal gets it. I I, I love dude. I think he's hilarious too. Yeah. He's he's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's hilarious. You know. I like him and actually Robbie Eagles too, the other guy they yes. have usually. Uh, I'll say Phantasmo. Why not? I'll say Phantasmo too. I think it would be a nice title change. And I think it'll just elevate another guy into yep. the junior division. For sure. So now you have at least more three credible, studs. more credible guys. Absolutely. Always a fan of always a fan of elevation. Yep. And then the main event of night two is the double championship match. So you'll have the champion from night one. You think it's Kotobushi. I think it's Naito versus Jay White, but I think we both May semi agree that Jay White comes out. Yeah, I think this is Jay White's night. I do. And what I wanted to talk about while I was teasing earlier is that this would be the first year in a very long time that you will see a heel walk out as champion, which I think is so, so, so important going forward because Jay White to me is a guy that, you know, he had that one run with the title earlier a couple years ago. Um, they didn't really give him a full go-ahead with it, right? He basically held it just to drop it back to Okada. This is going to be kind of like his Naito run, where he's going to have an actual run with the championship. He's doing really great mic work. He's in the best shape of his life. He's never been hotter, in my opinion, either, outside of that win over Okada two years ago at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm -hmm. I am very excited for this match. He He does a great job. Um, I'm all in on Jay White. All in on him. Yeah, I'll roll with Jay White too. So yeah, I think it's gonna be a great show though overall. Yes. I think that the two nights. I don't think maybe not as strong as last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think there's gonna be some highlights where we're gonna come out of the show and be like, okay, X, Y, and Z yeah. really blew the doors off. I think because of the COVID situation too, it's been hard to flesh out some of the other storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think that New Japan needs to rebuild their depth a little bit. I know I say that every year, but I really feel like. You know, because they're missing some of that foreign talent, <clears throat> you're missing some of that, a yeah, little bit yeah. of that depth. So it's hard to put on a show where it's like, okay, we just got to have everybody who lives here, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, so it's a little bit more difficult. So I don't think it's going in with as much fanfare. But the main events um, and then some highlighted singles matches to elevate some new guys, it's going to be muy perfecto, yeah, I think it might some be. Some great times. All right, last topic of the day, and let's get out of here. Um, you know, the NBA season kicked off. We kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago, just kind of what we wanted to see. We had some big matchups, big, big matchups big over the last matchups. couple weeks. Um, you know, you saw the Warriors and, and the Nets. That was a massacre. You saw Clippers, Lakers. You saw the Timberwolves and Pistons. Uh, yeah, you just couldn't <laughs> miss that one. Um, High-quality stuff. Just, you know, I just wanted to hit on this a little bit here because I did want to, you know, we talked about basically how the Lakers are going to be an unstoppable buzzsaw, and I still think they're going to wind up being that. Um, give me some of your takeaways, though, from, just from the first week or week or so of action, you know, of legitimate competition. Like, are you shocked by anything in particular? Um, is your, I, we're a weekend, so this is the time for uh, overreactions, <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, 
So I would start by saying I think the Nets offensively are going to be very very good team. Yeah. I think still I still think defensively I think they're going to have a lot of issues going forward because yeah. I don't think they have many good defenders on, on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, I think the Warriors have a big drop off without Klay Thompson there. But good I kind of I, I, we kind of knew about that though. It was glaringly obvious, though. Yeah. They miss Draymond a lot, too, because Draymond dictates a lot what they do defensively, yep. you know, like rotations, and mm-hmm. they look lost. I mean, yes. two 40-point blowouts, woof. Yeah. Uh, the Clippers coming up uh, with something to prove. I think they are going to be very good, but I still think that they are probably the third-best team in the West, Ooh. and so we'll see Ooh. how that goes. Um, the, Lake, the Lakers start off slow in the first game, but I think that you saw, you saw spurts where – the biggest problem in LeBron's career is can I leave the court and not blow a thirty point lead in mm-hmm. the time in the two minutes I leave the court? And I think that he left the court and they got closer in the game. Mm-hmm. So that's a very good sign for the Lakers team that they're very deep. Right. Um where else do I want to go? The Bucks look very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Dude, very, very oh, good. man, I felt bad for Giannis. He missed that free throw against Boston. Yeah, I was like, dude, throw. like, you're killing me, man. Like, make your free throws. The best part of that, though, was Jason Tatum tried to miss the shot and yep. then baked it in by accident. Right. Yeah, so, and he was like, ah, crap. And then they fouled him. I was like, dude, like, you guys yeah. are killing yourselves here. But, um, yeah, so I think I think all in all, I, I don't, I'm not shocked by mm-hmm. anything. Also, mm-hmm. the Mavs are not looking as perfect as I thought they would be at this point. <laughs> yeah. Luca is still doing Luca things. Doing great Luca things, yep. but they're missing Christoph Porzingis there. Yeah. No, I Those are all my we're, we're really early right so far, right? I you know the one thing the overreaction is well the Clippers are gonna be right there with the Lakers and I couldn't disagree more. Um this they looked like a team that was trying really hard in the Clippers, and it looked like a team in the Lakers that thought it was the first game, yeah. and that was my biggest takeaway from a, from a highlight perspective because that was the marquee game of the week, right? Was that game? Yes. And you looked at it, and I was like, okay, yeah, the Clippers were up at one point by like twenty, and then they blew a big lead, so they're blowing leads again, just like they did against Denver. And yeah, that's great. Like they beat Denver pretty good too, I think later in the week, right? Yeah. So you know, it was a pretty solid <laughs> week yeah. for them. Um, and they look like they're on a mission. Paul George, I, I you know, okay, great, you put up thirty points, but when you're passing to somebody that doesn't exist, that's a rough go. Um, defensively, I still don't know if they have enough. Um, you know, paying Luke Kennard all that money, don't understand it at all. But that's beside the point. Um, I think the Pistons look exactly how we thought they would look: young, unexperienced, and blowing leads, which is unfortunate. Um, but I think that you're, if you're a Detroit fan, you can take some solace in thinking that you're getting, you're seeing a lot of kids experience, you know, mature real quick and in a hurry. You know, if this is the worst team in basketball, more power to you because that means you got a good shot at getting a top five pick. So mm-hmm. don't freak out if you're a Pistons fan. Um, yeah, I think there's so much fleshing out still left to be had. Um, I just think it's funny that so many people are already like on the Clippers bandwagon again. It's like, guys, didn't you learn from last year already? Like, dude, it's one game. That's, and I'm honest with you, I don't think anybody really cares about the regular season. Like, let's be honest. Not like, generally. You know what I mean? Like, Lakers are like, all right, well, fine, we're the two seed. <laughs> God dang it. You know what we're I mean? We're still playing in Staples um, Center. Right, yeah, exactly. So... It's it's one of those things. The one thing I guess my other biggest takeaway was I was surprised to see how quickly the Nets came out, like firing all cylinders. I think you were probably a little more anticipated than I than I was about it. I walked, I went into that game thinking, okay, you know, Durant will have his twenty, Kyrie will have his twenty, right, and it'll be a closer game. But no, they were. I mean, from the jump, it was it was. A, and I, also, I didn't know that Draymond was out either until yeah. like halfway through the first quarter. I'm like, where's Draymond? I was like, did he get benched? And so um, the Warriors are really bad. And um, 
but Brooklyn though really looks like offensively at least like you said are like wow man this is it's going to be tough it's going to be a tough day on the office regardless but also defensively they don't play very good defense and they they, they don't think they will uh, you know you got Mark D'Antoni or, or not Mark what's his name the from Houston he's an assistant coach there Steve Nashmar they're basically the sons of the mid 2000s is basically what they're going to try to replicate here score a thousand points let up a thousand and nine you know what I mean so it's just going to kind of be what it is but if we get a Lakers Nets matchup in the end I ain't going to be mad about it it'll be fun and then Durant will be like oh my foot hurts (laughs) oh no Kyrie's like, ah, um, oh, I can't make that three anymore. Yeah, exactly. Nah. Like, man, LeBron is just so much bigger. That's fine. Um, but that's going to be it for this week's show, guys. Next week, obviously, we'll talk the national championship game. Um, we'll be, you know, we'll do what we do best, which is, you know, provide the best entertainment possible. Uh, be on the lookout, too. We're going to be possibly having an interview uh, in the next couple weeks here with another coach from the round state of Michigan. Looking really forward to that as well. So be on the lookout um, for more great stuff coming from us. But that's going to be it for this week's show, guys. On behalf of the Missing Whale Man, he is the Merck's own Mike Merkel. I am the Mouth of Michigan, Rob Medica, and we will see you guys, as always, next time. <laughs>